I cleared my phone off and reset it and I erased all content settings. And it is crazy, all the new stuff that you have to do. So learn with me. So I had to enable some more stuff. Luke chapter 24 and verse 32. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way? And while he opened unto us the scriptures, there were three men that were taken prisoner. And it was a rough country, right? So they were just going to summarily execute these men. And so they brought them up to the wall, against the wall. And one of the prisoners, quickly thinking, he said, Earthquake! And there was an ensuing confusion amongst the executioners. And he took off for the hills. And so when, when the people kind of regained their composure and came back and the, the firing line was stood up again and uh, there were two of them left. And so the second one, right before the execution happened, he shouted, he looked over the horizon, he said, Tornado! And all of the, the, the executioners looked and of course he took off for the hills. One guy left, right? So he's getting a pattern going on. He's like, I got it, I got it. So... All of the guys come back and line up. There's one man left to be executed. And from the top of the lungs, he shouts, Fire! (laughs) I'd like to preach for a little while on the thought of a message this morning. (laughs) Keeping your heart on fire. Keeping your heart on fire. Fire. The Bible declares in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 29. The writer saying, for our God is a consuming fire. When Jesus appeared in Revelation chapter 1, it said his feet were like brass that burned in a fire. So the picture of Jesus Christ, the Bible said a flaming sword went out of his mouth. When the Holy Ghost was poured out, the Bible said there appeared unto them as of tongues of what? Fire. So where God is concerned, the Bible says over and over there are metaphors, but then there are also real appearances of fire. And many years ago, there was a God competition there was Amer- there's the America's Got Talent, Britain's Got Talent. Uh, oh boy, uh, what's that other one called? X Factor, and uh, there's there are many other American Idol. Well, there was basically a, a a God competition to see who was the real God before Britain or America were uh, uh, dreamt of. Uh, years ago in Israel, there was a king named Ahab. And he was married to a wicked queen named Jezebel. And they had taken Israel into idolatry. But there was a prophet. You know, God always has somebody. And you know that uh, if you have never been in the minority, let me tell you, being in the majority is comfortable. But being in the minority requires to you have your heart on fire. I remember reading... Uh, a book. I just finished it. It was about living like a missionary. You know, some people think about going overseas as a missionary, but this gentleman, he's a preacher and uh, he talks about living in America, but having the heart of a missionary to reach people, to reach out with the gospel. It's a good book. 
and he has a son. And so they went to the south, right? They live in like San Francisco area, not a very Christian neighborhood, okay? But they, they uh, came to the south and it was a big church. You know, the south has a lot of big churches. And so this preacher, he has a son, true story. And I don't know if it was some kind of youth gathering or something. And uh, so there's all these Southern Belle, you know, uh, girls that go to the church and, and uh, some of them are attractive. And the dad's noticing this. So the dad asked his son, he said, um, hey, son, uh, and I guess his son's getting ready to go to college. You know, would you, would you like to go to college down here? There's a lot of attractive girls and, you know, just kind of seeing what his son is, is talking about. And you know what his son said? And it really touched my heart. He said, you know what, Dad? You know, you know, he didn't say this in, around other people, but he said, you know, down here, you know, there's a lot of Christians, you know, whatever. He said, but where I grow up, it said it means something to be a Christian. You have to take a stand for God. And you know what? What he appreciated was that life that counted for Jesus Christ. And you know, it's, it's, it's good to be surrounded by a bunch of Christians, but man, when you have to take a stand for God and all you've got is the fire of God in your heart, like Jeremiah, when he was put in prison, he said, I'm not going to preach anymore. But the Bible said that he said, there was a fire that burned in my heart. It's burned down in my bones. And he said, I could not stay quiet, but there was a preacher named Elijah. And the Bible said that, uh, he said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If, if Baal is the right God, let's serve him. But if God is the right God, if the Lord be God, follow him. And so he said, uh, choose us out two bullocks. So get some sacrifices. And he said that there were not only, there were 450 of these prophets that came from the prophets that served Baal. And of the prophets of the groves, 400 that are supported by Jezebel. So that's 850 versus Elijah 1. And he said, let's both put our sacrifices down. And this is what Elijah said. You call on your gods and I'll call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And so at the end of the competition, they, they uh, call upon their gods and Elijah begins to mock and say, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's on vacation. You know, COVID's kind of, people are getting back out on vacation. Maybe Baal went down to Disney. And they would cut themselves and try to get God, their God to answer. You know, God never requires for us to do things like that. God never requires for you to sacrifice your children. And there are Relation, there are religions that do that. They say, well, oh, but you know, a lot of people think, well, being a Christian, you don't want these, these gentle villages that are foreign. They don't need God. They're gentle. You know, I went to a village in Laos and they had this, this, uh, this like kind of this, I don't know if it was a iron. It was some type of impression. It looked like a crocodile. And, but it was like a, you know, it was an impression of the crocodile and it was near like a pond and where the tail was, it kind of sloped downward. And we were told that that's where they would put children and that they would, you know, sacrifice the children and the blood would run down. I saw it for myself. And then they would throw the kids and, you know, sacrifice them to the crocodiles to appease the God. And that was in your peaceful little village. 
in the middle. You know, we need a real God. We need a God who's true and a God who gives us the love that we're looking for. And it's only in Jesus. So they prayed to their gods. No answer. Elijah prayed just a, a couple dozen words. And the Bible said that God answered by fire. And he licked up all of even the offering that God gave him. I'm thankful that God is a God of fire. But more than that, God wants to keep our heart on fire. You know, there's a lot of loud voices and a lot of people have a lot of opinions. Have you ever noticed that? There's a lot of people right now that they're voicing their opinions on different things. And uh, there's a few different, you know, things that people voice their opinions on. It's probably like one or two things. You know, it's always been that way. There's always some, you know, opinion where people are trying to to be the loudest voice in the room. And I was going to preach on loud voices, but God changed my my, uh, direction. You need to get to follow God. But just because the voice is loud doesn't mean the voice is right. You ever have been into a shouting match before? <laughs> no one's listening to the other person, right? You ever gotten a disargument with someone? You're not listening. You're just, you know, forward, forward drive. You know, you just only just like, let me be louder than that person. But Mike doesn't make right. God spoke with a still small voice. God can speak peace into our heart with a gentle voice. God, God isn't trying to get the loudest voice, but the right voice. So keeping your hearts on fire, we find in Luke chapter 24, it had been three days since Jesus was crucified. And the Bible said that they came to the tomb and they found the stone rolled away. And, uh, The Bible said they went in and they found not the body of the Lord Jesus. Jesus was not there. You know, they they still haven't found the body of the Lord Jesus. You know where the body of the Lord Jesus is? He's not in a morgue somewhere. He's seated at the right hand of God in heavenly places, very much alive. You know, you can find the body of Muhammad and the body of Buddha. They're still looking. But if you find him, he's not going to be a corpse. He's going to be alive. So the Bible says that... uh, Uh, An angel said that he's not here. He's risen. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And then after that, Peter ran to the sepulcher and looked down. And then uh, behold, Peter departed, wondered what was going on. And then it said there were these two more disciples. And they began to walk to a village called Emmaus. And they were talking of all the things that had happened. You know... At least one commenter that I've heard said that these guys were kind of quitting and going home. You know, they were leaving this gospel thing. Jesus Christ hadn't worked out for them. Church hadn't worked out. And they were kind of walking home. And it said as they did that, Jesus kind of saddled up beside them. And he asked them a question. It said their eyes were holding that they could not recognize him. I don't know if Jesus was in a different form. Or if they were just so grieved. Have you ever just been so grieved or, or you're just kind of looking down at the... you ever seen someone walk and they kind of look down at the ground and they don't even know that you're right there? When I was in the kitchen today, I was doing something. I think I was cleaning out part of the fridge or whatever. And I looked behind me and there's my daughter standing right next to me. She like a sniper had just come up. <laughs> I kind of expect that from her, but she was there. I, I wasn't paying attention. So however, G, however Jesus did it, he just kind of got right behind him and he said, Hey, what are you, uh, what you talking about? What manner of communications are these that you 
have one to another as you walk and are sad. They were down. You know, one reason we need to keep our hearts on fire is because we can get down. You ever had an argument about something and uh, you both left the argument and you both fell down? I mean, even if you won the argument, you fell down. Amen. (laughs) But they were sad and they were walking. And Jesus, the Bible uh, uh, said, spoke to them and and they said, aren't you, are you a stranger in Jerusalem? You didn't know what happened? Jesus was crucified. It's been the third day since this happened. And then the Bible said that Jesus uh, and, and, the, and these men said they went to the tomb and they found not his body. Now, Jesus says in Luke chapter 24 and verse 25, Oh, fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things? And to enter into his glory. And the Bible said at the beginning, beginning at Moses and the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And the Bible says that as they walked to this village, and then later at the end of this account, they realized that the whole time that they were around Jesus, their heart was on fire. It did not our heart burn within us. Well, how did this burning start? The first thing, keep your hearts on fire by conversing with Jesus. By conversing with Jesus. It said, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way? Jesus said, not only I am the way, but our heart stays on fire by communication with Jesus. Now, you don't know how in communication, how important that is. Most of us have phones, right? You ever forgot your phone? You walk out of the door, you can't do anything, can you? You can't find out what they said on Facebook. You can't find out how far it is to Walmart. You can't find out if coffee is on sale at Publix. You can't call your wife or your husband 10 times. You can't email or uh, pass something on by message. Your communication is shut down, isn't it? And you're like, man, I don't even know if my phone's... And then you're thinking, if my phone's lost, then I have to pay for a new one. I don't have any phone insurance. Especially if you put it on top of your car, right? My goodness. I remember when I was a young man and these... I was not married, right? So these pretty girls were outside of this uh, Little Caesars pizza. And I had just purchased a pizza and a Coke. A cup, slice, slice. So two pizzas, pieces of pizza and a Coke or something. And these girls were pointing at me, and I was kind of like, you know, you know, girls point at you, felt good. And I was single, it's not wrong, okay? And then as I backed out of the pizza place, I realized they were pointing at the roof of my car. So I stopped my car, and I looked, and I left my pizza on top of the car. And I didn't get a date that day, okay? I put my pizza back in the car and just drove away, right? But you know that when you come into Jesus Christ, God gives us direction. And that that when we begin to talk to Him and we face a lot of things in our life. I remember when I was a young preacher and and uh, there was a guy I worked with, a man, he did not like Jesus. In fact, he knew a lot of scriptures and he, he would say, okay, open your Bible, turn to this scripture, and I would. And he knew them by heart. And he'd say, turn to this scripture, and I would, and read it, and I would. And then he says, see, that proves that Jesus is not God. Whoa. And so it got me fired up. My heart started, and I began to talk to God, and I have a Bible that has a lot of scriptures, you know, and notes in it. And so I went home, and I said, you know what? 
I'm going to talk to this dude and I'm going to give him 20 scriptures of how Jesus Christ is the Lord. And so I opened my Bible, not my click open. This is a paper Bible. This is like a dated illustration. And I'm going to get ready to write stuff down. You know what the Lord said? What are you doing? And I'm talking to God. I'm like, well, I'm going to, you know, in my heart, I'm going to give this guy something to listen to. And he said, he's not going to listen anyway. It's like, hmm. I closed my Bible and I didn't do that. Why? You know, because we keep our hearts on fire by listening to what Jesus says. And these people, they knew as they walked to Emmaus when they were talking back and forth, not talking at Jesus, not telling Jesus what's going on, but listening and Jesus began to guide and direct our life. Well, I went and talked to this man uh, sometime later at work. I was with him all the time. We were trash men, okay, in Orlando. And... Uh, so we were, I think, at a college pushing our trash buggies. And I asked him, I said, Richard, I said, you don't believe in Jesus. You don't believe that Jesus is God. I said, where are you going to go when you die? This man with so many answers and this man with so many scriptures, you know what he answered me? He answered me nothing. Because you see, God had given me the right thing to say and it began to deal with the man's heart. He didn't have an argument. He didn't have something to say. He knew what I knew, that brethren, we need Jesus. He knew in his heart of hearts that there was a real God and that there was something to this name of Jesus. The Bible said that it's a name that is above every name. The Bible says you cannot get saved confessing even Jehovah or Yahweh. And those are names of God. But if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, what? The Lord Jesus. There's something about that name. You see, there's no other name given under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. And this Jesus walking up next to us, brethren, the God that saves me is the God that keeps me on fire. I wake up excited about God in the morning. I'm like, especially if I have to preach, I'm like, oh, there's just an excitement. Why? Because there is a God that keeps my heart on fire by talking with him. And talking with him. What is God saying to you? You know, if God asks you a question, and a lot of times, you know what Jesus will do? He'll ask you a question. What you doing this for? And you know what? We already know the answer, right? What are you doing here? What are you clicking on that for? And you know what? We know it's from God, right? He speaks to us through our conscience. But the Bible says it's like a fire. And if you keep, well, how do I converse with Jesus? We can pray. We can pray. I pray all the time. There's a time of prayer. You know, there's two different things. There's a, a life of prayer and a prayer life. You know those are different. You know what a prayer life is? A prayer life is a time that you set aside to pray. And for us, it's going to be as different as there are many as flavors at Baskin-Robbins, right? People do it in the morning. People do it in the evening. People do it on the way to work. People do it. I used to turn off the radio and just pray on the way to work when I had a secular job. And I would just... Spend that time listening to the Lord and talking to God. That's a, a prayer life. You know what the other thing is? It's a life of prayer. And that's just having your heart open to God. Isn't it say pray always? That we should always just have a heart that's open to God? That someone passes by you and God's like, hey, talk to them. Hey! I remember I did that once. You can always blame it on God when you invite someone else to church. Isn't that nice? I remember I invited these two guys out to church. We had gone soul winning and no one really came. No one was interested. 
and it was just down the street from the church. So we're leaving. I was Reverend Patterson and I. And uh, um, there's these two guys. And so I was like, well, no one said yes. So I just, God laid it on my heart to go invite two people. And usually if you invite two people, you know what happens? One says no, and the other said I'm with him. You know, that's the way it usually works. But God spoke to my heart. So I was like, okay. I just drove my car up like a drive-by, not shooting, but a drive-by invitation. And rolled down my window and I said, hey, God told me to invite you guys out to church. Well, one came and then he brought his girlfriend. Do you remember who that was? Lavelle and then he invited his girlfriend out. What was Lavelle's girlfriend? Brittany. And I don't know how many people Brittany brought, but you know what? It was just listening to God. And as a Christian, you keep your heart on fire. So you know what? God will deal with your heart. But I didn't feel bad because I blamed it on God. I'm like, hey, God told me to do that. You know what? If you don't know how to do it, just blame it on God. Hey, God touched my heart. Why? Because it should show other people that there's a God in this equation. It's not a man-made thing that we have God keeping our hearts on fire. And you know, it's a real thing. Uh, Not only that they say that he kept our hearts on fire, by talking with us. And then it said, while he opened unto us the scriptures. You keep your heart on fire talking to Jesus. It absolutely will work. You keep your heart on fire by opening the scriptures. Now, I'm not saying reading the Bible. Have you ever read the Bible and you're thinking about something? Now, just me. You read your Bible because you know it's right. But you're not thinking about it. I used to do it in public school, right? I used to do my work and not think about it. I'm like, what did I just read? You know, the War of 1812. When did that happen? You know, and you just read about it. I don't even know. I don't care. I'm thinking about going home. But when you stop, and I've read the Bible even, man, I've just recently, and just, you know, just wait a second. Let me go back and let me... Let me go back to that that thing that I just read and let me get something out of it. Because these disciples knew the scriptures, but God had to open up his, uh, their hearts to the scriptures. And when our lives are opened up to the scriptures, then they can catch on fire. You know, I read an account uh, that there was a semi-truck. Sometimes they have accidents, right? Well, semi-truck, full semi-truck trailer full of ramen noodles caught on fire, right? And it destroyed the entire shipment, right? Entire shipment of ramen noodles. And they were considered ruined, so they had to go to the insurance company and file their loss report, right? The total loss came out to be 73 bucks. (laughs) (laughs) If you're living on a budget, you can end your prayers and say what you're going to eat at the same time. Ramen, right? (laughs) Been there and done that. But you know that when that scriptures, the Bible so shares the scriptures, that the scriptures that Jesus Christ opened up to them, it made their hearts catch on fire. I, you know, there's a, there's a song that says, I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire. You know, when the scriptures begin to say, no, not because the pastor said, because Jesus said that I need to stay out of sin. Because Jesus said, because he's holy, he's harmless, and he's separate from sinners. He's undefiled. I want to be like Jesus. You know, it's a blessing to be able to say, wait a second. But it's not, you know, uh, if you've ever gotten in an argument. I mean, I talk a lot about My wife and I, we weren't arguing today, okay? We were just talking. So this isn't like a personal illustration. Not that we haven't argued before. So, Or intense fellowship is what Christians say, right? <laughs> 
But uh, the word of God, when the word of God is brought forth, it does something in our lives. When the word of God is opened up in, in, in arguments, what do a lot of people do? I'm right, you're right, right? That's the, you know, you're trying to like prove the other person wrong and you right. Well, you know that that, even if you prove them wrong, they don't like you anyway. <laughs> they can listen to what you say. You know, like the doctor, he's like, okay, you can't eat sugar anymore. And you're like, you're wrong, doc. <laughs> or like that doctor that says in a different way, he said, okay, you can eat, you can eat anything that you want to. And he's like, whoo, and here's a list of the things that you want to eat. Right? <laughs> so there's differences to approach this. But brethren, instead of saying I'm right, how about it's right? The Bible's right. It's not me. I really have no impact on what the word of God says. It's just the word of God. And when we keep the word of God open unto us, it will direct our life. You say, well, someone decides to live their life that way. Are they right or are they wrong? Look, it's about it being right and it being wrong. The Bible's right. Let God be true. And every man a liar. If a preacher preaches another gospel than what we have preached to you, the Bible says, let him be accursed. If an angel from heaven comes, the Bible says, and changes the gospel, let that heavenly angel be accursed. If Michael or Gabriel changes the gospel, brethren, I'm not here to change the gospel. I'm here to say, it's right. And God can change a life, change a family. He can bless you according to the good news that Jesus is alive from the dead. Keeping your heart on fire. Keeping the Bible open. You know, an open Bible, an open Bible is a constant source of direction in our lives. An open Bible, I like to read my paper Bible. I've got my digital Bible. I've got a, another reference Bible out. I've got like three books open. I like to have a whole tabletop. Okay, and there's got to be room for coffee. But I like it all there. Before I face anything of the day, before I, I see what's going on in this or in that world, I want my heart on fire for Jesus. I want my heart lit up. I want to listen to some Christian music. That's just me. I want to get the right thought patterns established in there because I need my heart on fire before I step out the door. The last thing to keep your heart on fire, the Bible said when they drew nigh into the village, they're walking back to the village and Jesus, they still didn't know who he was. He made it if he was going to continue and go on. And they said, uh, they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, <laughs> for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. You know, the, the thing that we can do, the last thing, to keep our heart on fire for God is stay there. Stay walking with Jesus. Keep the scriptures open to us. And that's what they inherently realized, didn't they? Hey, don't leave. Whatever's going on, they didn't fully realize it, but man, things work. I remember telling someone, I said, you remember when you used to do this and things would work out? And they're like, yeah, you're right. You know, things used to work out when I used to do this. And these things, when we keep, we keep the word of God open, we keep that conversation with Jesus, we realize, I want to stay here. Have you ever had a good church service? You don't want to go home. You're just like, man, I'm just going to stay here. I'm buzzing. Like, have you ever backed up to a big fire outside? like a big open fire. And then after a while, 
it burns, you know, the heat comes through. I don't care how many layers of clothes you have on, right? Because you're cold. When it's cold, for a little while, you can't feel a thing, right? You just feel it around you. And then it comes through your clothes. That, that, that heat, it just kind of cooks and warms your clothes. And then you start feeling it. And sometimes you have to step away a little bit. You realize you've gone too close to the fire. But after you step away from the fire, there's a residual warmth, that stays on your clothes. Have you ever felt that? It's like it stays with you even when you step back out into the cold. Why? Because that's the power, the residual power of that heat and that flame. And you realize, wow, I need to stay near the source of that power, the source of that fire. And the Bible said that Jesus, when he sat and ate with them, he took bread and he blessed it and break it and they gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. And then they said, they knew him. And as soon as they did that, he vanished out of their sight. And then we have our scripture. The Bible said, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened unto to us the scriptures. Their hearts were on fire. They went back to Jerusalem. Instead of quitting, instead of staying at Emmaus, they went back to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and the bible said the lord is risen indeed and it said and they told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread you know what happened as they went back and did what god wanted them to do in the first place while they thus spake jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them Peace be unto you. There was another appearance of Jesus. You see, Jesus isn't dead. God will continually make himself known to us and keep our hearts on fire. But with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, God wants to speak with us to keep our hearts on fire. God wants his word to be opened unto us to keep us on fire. And to keep our hearts on fire, Brethren, God wants us to abide right there so that our heart on a Monday can be on fire, so that our heart on a Tuesday, when we face that problem or that dilemma or that doctor's office or that bill or that, that, that disagreement, our heart can be on fire. And maybe, maybe your heart on fire will just burn up that argument in love and say, you know what, that's okay. That's all right, I, I'm not offended. Why? Because they that love the law of the Lord, nothing shall offend them. I'm just so full of the love of Jesus Christ. And I, I don't even really want to talk about it. Because God's given me a greater subject to entertain. And his name is Jesus.